Welcome to episode 38 of The Process, Money Conscious. Welcome to episode 38 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor. And I am Monte Martin. Uh, today we have Keith Richburg on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Keith. Hey, how y'all doing, man? I appreciate y'all uh, having me. Hey, thank you for joining us. Uh, could you tell the listeners uh, where you from? I'm from um, Levity City, Miami-Dade County, um, 305. 305. Well, what was it like growing up down there in Miami, Dade County? Um, it was a, uh, it was fun. It's a cool experience. You know, it's a lot of um, culture, a lot of you know ethnicities down there. People from the island and stuff. Um, so it's fun. Everything moved pretty fast down there. So you grow up pretty fast. Um, just seeing everything like happen, evolving around you. Um, on the on the on the good side, I'm gonna say like you see, you might see your favorite car like you always dreamed about. You might you, you might see it ride past you or something like that. But on the flip side, you are gonna see like you know drug dealing, prostitution, and, you know certain stuff like that that you know accelerate your um, like, like how fast you grow up. So like it's it's a it's it's a good and bad. I know you had a nephew, and I know a situation that happened. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, or is that a little, little touchy situation that you don't want to speak on? No, no, we can talk about that. Transparent about you know everything. Somebody might learn from our situation. Just talk a little bit about it, and so the listeners can have a little a view on life in Miami because it's a thing that it's a reoccurring <laughs> thing that happened in Miami, um, and we need to speak about these type of things because maybe it can heal another person. Yeah, you're right. Um, but you know, in Miami, you know, everybody ain't your friend. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, elders say that when they're young. And, um, a lot of people don't really listen. But uh, it, this was a case where you know my nephew, uh, he had a friend, and I basically had like you know a feeling about the guy. I'm like, yo, like he ain't your friend. You know what I'm saying? Like he ain't good for you to stay for right or something, right? You know what I'm saying? But you know, you know, young people they don't listen. Teenagers, you know, they feel like they know it all. So. So we continue to, you know, to hang around the guy. And, you know, um, on, you know, they, one day, you know, they, the guy came, 
got him from the house. They went walking and he ended up, you know, killing my nephew for whatever reason, you know, I don't know. But just, that goes to say, you know, everybody ain't your friend. Uh, and, you know, that kind of hit our family like real hard, you know. A nephew passing away to, you know, a friend that, you know, that been around him, that we know, that been around the family. So he kind of, you know, crazy, but Miami, man, just a crazy place to stay because that kind of happened a lot, man. You know, a lot of people die for, like, you know, sensitive stuff down there. You know, it's a reoccurring thing. I bet. So having to, you know, see all that at a, a young age and having to grow up fast, you know, how did you navigate, you know, that lifestyle living in Miami and, you know, playing ball and things like that? Uh, basically, my mom, my mom, she, uh, Later, uh, like a strong foundation, like she took charge of like um, get me to practice every day. Um, she even became like one of the commissioners or something at the park like over the town. So like she was like super committed. Um, so that basically made me committed. Like you know how committed she was to it. Um, she started me out at five. Actually started out at Grand Cherry. Um, I played one year at Grand Cherry, and we went over to Overtown after that. And I played the rest of that overtime. And I ended up at Project Hope, like my last year of playing like little league football. But um, most of my year was overtime. Uh, and my mom just kept me focused on um, like, you know, the whole time, making sure I go to practice. You know, um, and on the flip side, just, you know, um, staying true to myself, man, not really letting them, like people influence me too much. Like, and learning, really learning from other people's mistakes. But the majority of people around you, you know, going to jail, they ending out, you know, for you know various stuff. So you learning from that. If you're smart, you'll learn from it. Like, okay, I ain't gonna do that because I see what happened with that. Or, oh, you know, I ain't gonna sell drugs because I see what happened with him. These people who you see every day, you know what I'm saying? Or, oh, I ain't gonna rob nobody because I see what happened with him. So it's like, you just learn from everybody. You started off playing ball early, um, and you ended up playing for, you know, best high school in the nation that, during that time. How, how was that transition, you know, playing, you know, parking rec ball to, how you playing for one of the best high schools in the nation? Um, basically, uh, it was just, have, it was just, I happened to really like stay on right on the, the school on 71st and I stay on 72nd. So it was like, the school was always like just there. So I just always knew I was going to Northwestern before. I knew it was Northwestern, you see what I'm saying? It was just, always, my whole family went to Northwestern. Well, well, my brothers and sister, but my mom went to Central, my dad went to Jackson, but we just stayed so close, it just only made sense um, that I go to Northwestern. Um, but um, I don't know if you know who Nate Westbury is. You know who Nate Westbury is? No, I don't know what that is. Yeah, but he was like an all-star linebacker at Northwestern. He happened to be my, my next little neighbor. So I grew up next to like the top. He was like the big dog at the West. You know what I'm saying? He was the man at the West. He ended up going to the University of Miami. Um, then he ended up going to Tampa Bay. And he went on to win a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. And he and he, I grew up with him like my whole life. So it was kind of crazy to see that. Like, he came from Northwestern. So I definitely, I used to go to the practice as a kid. Like he used to take me to the practice, so it's like I just knew I was going to the. Well, a lot of people might not even know that story though. I don't really tell it too much. But, uh, yeah, I stayed right next door to um, Nate Westbrook right now. But it's crazy too, cause I was best friends with his nephew. Um, his name was EJ, and he ended up dying at um, 
I think he was maybe three years old. Um, like, you know, Martin Luther King, um, the, the elementary at, like that, that back road that's like on the side of the bridge. And most people try to just take it. Like when people, they coming down the bridge, you gotta drive fast. It, it's right on 71st. So he died like right outside, right on 71st by the bridge, by the football field where he practiced at. But his dad got hit and he, he got the car got hit on his side where he was at. And he ended up dying at three years old, but that was my best friend. So that's how he even got connected with, you know, Nate Westman and stuff like that. Um, but it was meant for me to go to um, Miami Northwestern nonetheless, but, um, um, once I got there, it was, you know, I played JB. I thought I was a running back, but that didn't really work out. Um, me playing running back. Um, so I ended up going to safety and I, and it kind of stuck, stuck with me um, playing safety. But uh, also like playing Little League, it's great competition. Like everybody good. And, and what happened with that Northwest, and also like a lot of dudes from all over um, came and played at the West. So we got guys from like all the good, you know, um, little league clubs all um, like end up coming to the West. So that was kind of made us like a, a super team, like all-star team, like, you know, to say at least. So that kind of helped too. Um, but it just happened to happen like that. That's what's crazy about. At, at that level, how was, you know, juggling school and y'all boys traveling, you know, to Dallas and different places to play different teams. How was that experience? Now that spring was cool because that was the first time for a lot of people getting on getting on planes and really traveling like that. Um, and a lot of the big guys though was actually the ones who were scared to fly, which was kind of funny, uh, you know, saying. But um, it was a cool experience for us to, you know, go out of town. I actually think it was kind of was like we started that that trend. Like I want to say it was like us and Booker T at the time. Like we went out and you know played games like in other states, and ever since like. That's that been a norm for not like now, like team traveling and you know doing that. So I think we kind of the first team to actually go out and play a national championship in another state. So it was cool to kind of set that trend. Um, and another thing I remember about you know the national championship, um, it was a play like we could have. It was like the play I made. We could have either won or lost the game if I didn't make the play, but actually made a play to you know to save the game for us to win. And it happened to make like the Texas sports section. So that was like a big deal for me. I definitely wasn't expecting to be on like the sports page of Texas, you know, newspaper, like the following day. Um, because the school was playing South Lake Carroll, I don't know if you remember, but it was like undefeated for like 10 years. And we actually broke, you know, that, 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 that record. So that was a, you know, a big deal also. Did you, um, you know, on a team like that, y'all y'all had a roster full of, you know, D1 athletes. Uh, did you end up going to play D1 ball? Nah, unfortunately I didn't um, because, you know, um, like other circumstances though, like, so I had to end up, I possibly, I was um, potentially going to UM, but it didn't, you know, work out. So I ended up going to HBCU. Um, one of the, actually one of the school alumni, you know, hooked me up with it. So ended up getting a scholarship to go there. So I ended up going to HBCU and playing there. Um, ended up winning a um, championship with them. Um, also getting a shot at the NFL too. I had a pro day, but it ain't going my favor due to like injuries and stuff like that. But um, afterwards I did, um, did a few CFL tryouts. Um, I did an arena tryout, um, Philadelphia Soul. I went out there and tried out for them, but um, 
and I really got to the point where I was like, I'm gonna just uh, focus on, you know, getting my money a different type of way other than um, a physical way, using my uh, physical ability. I was like, I'm gonna use my mind now to figure something out, you know, to make some money. Cause I would get to a certain age where I'm like, man, it's kind of, you don't want to be playing football at 25. We're still at least trying to play at 25, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, at 25, I'm, that's it. Like, I ain't even gonna pursue it no more. So I'm gonna focus on something else. So that's, you know, that's that what happened to that point. Well, I'm going to touch on that a little bit later on in the episode, but I want to ask, you know, where'd you end up going? What, what HBCU did you go to? Where, where was it? Um, Miles College. It was in um, Fairfield, um, Alabama. Alabama. So coming from Dade County, moving out to Alabama, how was that transition for you? Uh, it was a crazy transition, man. I definitely was homesick um, for like the first like two years, really. Like just trying to make any excuse to get back home, but um, my mama she wasn't having it, so uh, she made sure I um, stuck it out. But um, but just me personally, like I never made that stop me from performing on the field. Like once I get out there, I'm gonna do my thing. But although I ain't want to be there, but every time I get on the field, you know I'm gonna shine. So that was that was my whole thing. Um, but I also end up leaving in 2010. Because I was big-headed, feeling, feeling like I'm too good for that school. So I, and I tried to go to a JUCO, but that ain't working my favor because, like, my grades were real bad at the time. I wasn't really taking the school serious. Um, and I was on academic probation, um, all type of stuff. So I ended up going to um, Miami-Dade College for a year in 2010. Um, then my coach ended up calling me one day. He was like, you want to come back? He was like, but you're not going to have a scholarship. You got to earn a scholarship. So I ended up going, um, but actually first I ended up like working out and started doing tour days. I started, I got with a trainer, um, started doing tour days. Um, we'll hit the beach in the morning, then we'll, we'll lift in the afternoon, or we might hit the hill in the morning, you know, lift in the afternoon. Um, so I ended up getting back to the school, um, and I ended up shining, and, you know, of course, I end up getting like um, the, the biggest scholarship on the team because they miles give you partial scholarship. They don't give you a full scholarship. So I almost had a full scholarship. So I was the only person close to even having a full scholarship. So like it was a big deal just to start from the bottom because they had me like the last spring cornerback. Like, I was at the bottom. They had all these other guys stuff. But I was like the eighth cornerback. Like I, I ain't never been that in my life. So it was kind of crazy. But I knew it might. I knew what I could do, so I knew I was going to eventually become a starter, but the coach knew that too, but, you know, it was just a learning lesson um, and a grind. So, Keith, you talked about Miles College. You talked about the football side of it. What about the education side? What What was your major, and when did you graduate, and what was the challenging, what was so challenging about that? Uh, all right, well, education, I'm gonna start from the beginning with education. Well, like, as I know, you know, the, the education ain't really too good in Miami, but the education system, man, just being an athlete, they gonna, you know, basically push you through the system and, you know, pass you along and stuff like that. So, um, when I got to college, it was like a shock. Like, a lot of stuff that, you know, most people could do, I couldn't really do. So, you know, I had to. You know, I uh, had like, you know, the remedial math class and all that. So, you know, I had to take that stuff. End up, you know, applying myself a little bit. So I got to that. 
but it was kind of it was tough like you know like you weren't really taking school that serious you know being an athlete or whatever um, so it was kind of rough end up being on academic probation um, and a funny thing and I having my, my uh, wife end up being pregnant and having my son and something click um, and every semester after I came back um, in 2011 I made the president list every semester like after that so like I went from the um, academic probation and making a president's list every semester. Um, so it was like, that was a big deal. Um, and most of that came from just, um, you know, just reading my textbooks and stuff like that. But most, when you get in college, most people tell you don't get your textbook and stuff like that. Um, so like the first two years I did, and the last two years I, I got my textbooks and I started actually studying my textbooks. Um, reading the whole book and that just changed everything for me. Like I was, you know, passing all my tests on all the questions in class. So like I advise anybody like read your textbook, like actually sit down and read your whole text. The education was interesting though. I went from academic probation to um, the president list. That was crazy. And I actually graduated earlier than what I was supposed to because I ended up taking um, eight classes my last semester so I could graduate and they had to sign it off because they didn't want to give it to me at first but I'm like hey y'all put all them on there and I'm gonna just take them all so I ended up having had like Sunday classes. So Key I know you real well uh when yeah. I listen to kind of know you uh so <clears throat> back back when you were in college your, your, your wife back then she was your girlfriend uh she was she was pregnant so you had to balance uh going to uh, school uh -huh. And being a parent, how was yeah. that transition? How was that transition? On top yeah, of that, was, um, like, I ain't on lie, man. It just was natural. Like I ain't even think about it, man. It was just like just I don't know. I just something just clicked, man. I don't know. I can't even explain it. Like you had kids, man. Just I don't know. God just started making ways. I know it. Blessing just come, especially when you. You know, you want to be there and you want to do the right thing about your family. So, you know, God going to open them doors for you. So I think that's the biggest thing, like, just, um, but it's definitely a lot of time management, though, like, you know, on the flip side, a bunch of time management. You got to um, make sure you make time for your family, man, like, regardless of what you're doing. So what what, what happened at the uh, Miles? Uh, did you end up, you said you tried out for a couple of teams, and, and what happened after that? Oh man, well, at first it started as a, you know, a fun thing, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, trying out for different teams and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it didn't go in my favor due to injury. Like I, you know, like I said, I had like a lot of hamstrings, had two hamstrings, my AC joints were messed up. Um, so I couldn't really bend, do push-ups, anything like that. So, you know, Cards weren't really stacking up right far, you know, going to the NFL. But I still ended up doing my pro day. I still ran uh, a four five, although I could have ran like a four three if I was healthy or something like that, um, you know. But like I said, it didn't work out. Um, like one of the coaches told me, uh, he was like, "Man, you sorry, man. Damn, it's good. Like we couldn't do nothing with you. Maybe if you went to Alabama, you could have still, you know, went. Like yeah, you know, I even been honest, but you know, I appreciated that. But it was still kind of you no know, harsh at the same time. But man, but that kind of spent me into like a um, like a depression for like the next like two years. You know, trying to deal with the fact that you know I wasn't getting drafted." Um, 
started with me playing, starting football so young at like at five years old. And it was like tunnel vision ever since five years old, all the way to that point of, you know, trying out for the NFL. So, you know, that was kind of a rough, you know, part, you know, of my life. Hey, I totally understand that feeling. I can't say I almost went pro, but I've been chasing that football dream for as long as you have too. And I end up getting my GED, going to FAMU, going to Fort Valley State, and then going back to FAMU to try to play ball. And, it just didn't work out for me. Having to let it go, it, it, it broke me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. you talked about it. I know I went through it. Quay went through it. We had a guy, Taj Boyd, on the podcast who also talked about it. Uh, what advice could you give to guys, you know, who are in high school right now with tunnel vision? You know what I'm saying? To kind of say, you know, what could you say to them? Because some some of them ain't gonna make it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like just like with us, we had that guy who came to us and was like, hey man, make sure I have a plan B, but you know, it's still a ton of business. You know, so um, I'll probably go and tell them the same thing, man. Like, you gotta have a plan B, you know what I'm saying? But I'm also mention ton of business because they never mentioned ton of business. Guys who came maybe speak to us, like, you know, yeah. let them know, like, hey, you don't want to have a ton of business, you know what I'm saying? Because you might get to get to that point. You know, you're going to get there, but you know what? It might not go in your favor when you get there. What you going to do at that point? You know what I'm saying? So you just want to emphasize, you know, having that plan B and let them understand what tunnel vision is. You know what I'm saying? Because we didn't know what, what was going on. We just going through, through the tunnel vision, going through the motion. But, you know, when it, just explaining to them what that is and, you know, how to combat that, you know, how to, how to be able to process not going to the NFL, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just, you know, having something in place. Yeah, I think that's needed. I think that's real needed. Um, so what is going through that phase in your life, you know, how did you get out of that that, that spot? You know what I'm saying? What did you do? Um, basically like that was a time where um, a lot of soul searching, uh, you know, time like that. Um, like most people like they kinda dwell in their issues and stuff like that. Like I said, I was depressed but I wasn't, you know, kinda dwelling in it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, what I could do like uh, you know, fix this, like, uh, how else I could become a millionaire other than football, other than using my physical ability, you know what I'm saying? Like, what else I could do? Um, and it's crazy, because God put me in a position where um, I started working for the security company called G4S, and they put me out in Corey Gables in um, this um, rich community called Old Cutler Bay. Um, so I'm, I'm in, like, constant contact with millionaires all day, like, they passing through, you know, my gate. Um, so, yeah, like me being young and, you know, they like, what you do? asking me questions. I'm like, y'all should play football and stuff like that. Um, so I and I, so I got kind of friendly with the people um, and I started asking them, like, hey, what you do? You know what I'm saying? And majority of the people say they started in real estate. So that's when I started, you know, doing my research and I found out that 90% of all men started out in real estate. So that kind of just sparked something. You know, and me to, you know, really focus on, you know, getting into real estate and stuff like that. What did that take you? You know, was that something you learned in school or you had to learn on your own? Nah, that's all like self-education. Um, like far as like um, real estate and stuff like that. Ain't nobody teach me anything. It's just really just going off like what the people told me, um, the wealthy people told me. Um, and just doing my personal research. Um, you know, finding like books about um, the subject, 
stuff like that. And that also led me on the path of like self improvement, and I started reading like a lot of self improvement books and stuff like that too. Um, so um, it also led me to start back drawing. So I started back because security kind of gave you a lot of time, especially when you first start. They, you know, stick you on the night shift. So now you got all that time. So I was like, what I'm gonna do with all that time rather than going to sleep? So that's when like I started drawing. I started back drawing for the first time. I started just reading. After I finished drawing, I might start reading about, you know, whatever, you know, sparks my interest. Like, um, so I just had a lot of time on my hands and I utilized that time rather than just, you know, wasting. I think you're speaking to something real powerful um, that a lot of people don't see, especially come from areas like Miami, is that when you have time to yourself to be productive, you know what I'm saying, yeah. you have a time to soul search. Yeah, you know that's exactly what I was doing. And, and it, it did wonders for you. Uh, what, what are you working on now? Uh, your company, uh, Money Conscious. Where did that, Money where Conscious. that idea come from? Yeah, it actually came from Old Cutler Bay too, sitting in that security booth. Like, it came from one of my, uh, my, my art pieces. Because it was like, I'd say from 2014 to 2016, like if you watch, if you was following me on Instagram, you would see like I upload like a different drawing every like single day. Like it was just something I was working on, and I ended up coming up with the, the brain in the tree, uh, which symbolized Think and Grow Rich. Actually, a book by Napoleon Hill that I read was called Think and Grow Rich, and it gave me an idea. So I'm like, wow! And I know that at this point, I'm an expert at drawing. But I've been doing it for two years. So I came up with the logo, you know, which symbolized that from Grow Witch, the brand in the tree. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to use his name, so I also came up with, you know, money conscious, which sound, you know, a lot better, if you ask me. Um, and, you know, a lot catchier. Um, and money conscious um, basically means, um, you know, just um, educate, self-educate yourself um, on fin financial literacy and stuff like that, and create generational wealth for your family and teaching your kids their um, fi um, financial literacy and teach them how to manage the, the wealth that you're going to pass down to them. And so, you know, make sure um, they know how to manage it and, you know, keep it going, you know, within the family and just change the narrative for the whole family. So that's what I want to um, push with Money Conscious. And I want the, the logo to be like a daily reminder you know, to, to, to let you know, like, you know, you look at your family, you want to be money conscious, you want to be frugal, you want to be invested, you want to be making your money work for you, you want to be creating cash flow, you know, in the name of taking care of your family and leaving something for them when you pass away, you know what I'm saying? So that's what, you know, money conscious is about. That's huge, especially now, because when you pass, you passing on everything to your kids, your knowledge, everything that you learn and, exactly. and setting them ahead financially is like the biggest thing that's holding us back right now. So I think exactly. that's, that's, that's much needed. So Keith, we talked about your brand. We talked about uh, life growing up in Miami. Uh, so let's talk about who is Keith Richburg today. Like what's your job? Like what you got going on as far as being a father, being a, a husband? Like how do you balance all these things? Let's talk about the Keith Richburg. Uh, well, I guess first I started with my job. Um, I'm a um, probation officer, fed, um, probation officer and parole officer in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Um, I've been doing that for the past year and a half. Um, it's something I never thought I'd be doing in a million years, especially coming from Miami and my background. Um, 
and you know, I just knew I was going to the NFL, like I said, and um, my, I had a degree in criminal justice, so it's like, why not, you know, put my degree to work, you know, rather than, you know, doing something in the streets, which wouldn't make no sense. Um, so, um, you know, that's what I do on the daily, and it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's good, you know, but sometimes, you know, I feel sit well with, you know, you know, taking people back to jail, but, you know, I help a lot of people on the, on the other side of things. So it's, uh, I feel like God got me there for a reason. Um, you know, with my family, I just try to, you know, teach them good morals and values and good character, and, you know, hard work and just show, you know, do my actions every day. So, so talk, talk a little bit about being a father and talk a little bit about being a husband. And like how you uh you juggle those uh, those hats, you know, and still manage to find time for yourself. Uh, being a father, that just come natural, um, you know. Like um, that just that just natural, man. I love you. Um, I love being a father. Um, if I can have more kids. I will. If I have a lot of kids, I, I, I will. But you know, that's the fun part. Just you know, having your kid and just grooming him to be like a self-sufficient adult one day. You know, just. Um, Making sure he could be, you know, sufficient, like I say. Um, just starting off with little things, you know, like not just relying on the school to, you know, educate them, like educate the kid at home and stuff like that. You know, like make sure they read and they're writing, you know, at home. Like make sure you know what level, you know, your kid at and stuff like that. So I think that's the big part of, you know, being a father, being a parent, you know, in a whole, but, like you gotta, you know, teaching start at home. So I feel like as a, as you gotta be his kid teacher as a father. Like you gotta be his first teacher. So you talked about being a father. Yeah. Uh, so we're all young millennials, uh, and we all three are all three of us are are married millennials, young guys that's married. So speak about being married. Or like what what is it, what is it like to be a young black married man? Being married, man, like, um, actually, I, I love being married, man, because I just, I just, it just symbolized so much, like, you know, like, just the power, because you, you don't really see it too much, so people look at you like, you know, you're like an alien or something, man, because there ain't too many young dudes getting married, but it's actually a good thing, because we not a statistic, you know what I'm saying? Like, I try not to be a statistic of, you know, not taking being that for your family or taking care of your kid. So I just want to, you know, show that example of, you know, doing the right thing, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, what God intends you to do, you know what I'm saying? Find a wife, you know, find a good thing. So, you know, show your son, you know, how to lay some retreat and stuff like that. So that's another thing that aspect of being a father. Um, that being a husband, you know, show your kid how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, just take care of your wife, you know, making sure she's straight, making sure y'all, you know, and yo, um, making sure y'all got good communication skills, cause communication, you know, that's the key. Um, you know, you have any issues, just make sure, you know, y'all talk it out. You know, don't be holding no grudges or holding stuff in. You know, just be willing to communicate with each other, you know, about anything, you know, whether it might offend her or not, you know, just, you know, you know, bring it up, you know, in a respectful manner. You know what I'm saying? I think that's, you know, very important, you know, being a husband. Um, you know, just listening to it, you know, that's how they day going. Just do, you know, nice stuff, you know, just out the blue without them asking. So, you know, Clay and I married. Uh, you're married. We all married, young black, married men. Uh, 
So how was it for you, you know, to change the narrative? Cause you know, a lot of us don't have a good example of what a marriage is or you know, what it means, you know, what was it for you? And why do you think a lot of us at our age don't get married, aren't married? Um, I feel like um, we don't got good examples of marriage. Like people don't talk positive of marriage. Most people that we know get married, you know, they talk, you know, down about it, or, you know, you might see a person that, you know, got divorced, or a guy that might got divorced, um, you know, he'd be like, he's he just happy, you know what I'm saying? Or, um, or or they may see a person who just got married, and they'd be like, man, why you did that? Man, that's a big mistake, you know what I'm saying? So people just put, like, a negative, you know, connotation on it, which I feel they kind of push people away from it, but, you know, you can't let that stop you, you know, deter you from, you know, getting married. But I feel like people need to talk more positive or you need to get around, you know, positive people who married or, you know, or, um, you know, just a positive marriage and just get, you know, ideas from them or ask them how they work and stuff like that rather than just, you know, hearing from negative people and, you know, their situation. I know. I know before I got married, a lot of people used to tell me before you, um, like, how you knew? How did you know, you know what I'm saying? She was the one, everybody would say, when you know, you know. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? But what does that mean to you? Um, I just feel like God put the right people um, in your life at the right time, man. Like, it seemed like she just came along at the right time. You know, I ain't questioning nothing, you know. Um, and she just, I don't know, it's like we just jail, man, at a young age. And, um, a lot of people don't do that. It's just, just her character, really, man. She had, like, you no know, good character. Cause, you know, God do stuff they're supposed to do, and, you know, she just, you know, never returned the favor, just always stayed true to herself, you know, regardless of, you know, whatever. You know, it just allowed me to mature, you know, uh, so. And I just recognize that, you know, you don't, you know, you don't get that a lot. Yeah, when you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. You know, we all know marriage is good, marriage is bad. So when you get to those those rough parts and things get hard, man, what's some advice that you could give to me or any other uh, young black male that's in a marriage, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and knowing that, man, it's not going to always be pizza and cream. Well, yeah. What is some advice that you can give to another brother to help uplift, uplift him to keep him moving forward in his marriage or in his relationship uh, to see, you know, uh, the fight through it, you know? Uh, I just pick your battles. I, I, I definitely say pick your battles, man. Just know, you know, when to be quiet, man. Just let her have it, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that, that's something I say. Um, you know, you got to swallow our pride sometimes, man. So. Just have a bigger picture, you know, just want to, you know, boss your wife up, man. Just have a bigger picture for her, you know, just, you know, want her to be uh, the best her she could be, you know what I'm saying? But just want that for, for her and try to, you know, push her towards whatever she's trying to do, help out whatever she's trying to do, just be supportive. You sound like such a mature man, man. I know you said we were kids. Man, I just want to know, man, at this age right now, and the person you are today, just looking back, if there's something that you could tell a younger you, a younger Keith Risberry Jr., what would that be? 
I say just um, focus on school a lot, bit, you know, a lot more. You know what I'm saying? Just make sure you focus on education and take advantage of each year you in school. You know, try to soak up everything that teacher telling you, you know, for that year. Like, don't just, you know, let that, you know, education pass you by, you know what I'm saying? Because it might hurt you later in life, you know, by not, you know, soaking that in. But you got to, you know, relearn something, you know what I'm saying, that you should have learned, you know, in an early age. Just take education serious. Whatever your you know, overwhelming thought is, your desire, you know, just, you know, do that. Whatever your niche is, you know, just, you know, pursue that. The title of our podcast is The Process. We talk a lot about trusting the process. When you think about trusting the process, I think of ingredients. For example, when you, when you cook a cake, you use the different ingredients. Without certain ingredients, the cake don't taste so good, you know. What does trusting the process mean to you? Trusting in God, you know, trusting in the universe, letting the universe work, letting the universe bring the right people in your life. Just trusting the process, have faith in what you're doing and be consistent in what you're doing. You know, God will meet you halfway. Um, that's the that's the process to me. Like just manifesting whatever and trusting in that process. You know, being in Atlanta now, you know, being employed, being self-employed, being a father uh, and a husband, but you're also mentoring. You know, how did you get into coaching and mentoring? And, uh, you know, how does that help you fulfill your purpose? Um, coaching, that's like, that's like one of the funnest things in the world. Like, you don't even realize how long you be out there um, when, when you coach, especially well, when I'm coaching. Uh, it's just natural, man. Like you learn so much. Like what throughout, you know, your 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 years of playing football and stuff like that, and you don't realize how much the kid don't know. So you just, you know, blanket them with all this knowledge. And, you know, it's a it's a fun thing. You know, just to develop the kids. You know, until you get back. You know, in the hole. You know, you don't get paid for the coaching. Man. It's just all about the return. So um, I just feel like that's important to get back to the community. Especially the kids. Uh, do you have any last words you want to leave with the listeners? Uh, I just want to say, um, control your thoughts. You know what I'm saying to the listeners. Um, just know, like, when you have negative thoughts, you got the power to change. You know, them thoughts that the snap of a finger to something positive. So, you know, just control your thoughts. Just watch what you say out your mouth, what you put out here in the universe. Um, it's you know what you would get back. So just be careful. You know what you put out. You can do whatever you want to do. You can manifest whatever. Just believe in yourself and believe in God. You know, that's what I, that's what I have for the listeners. Where can the listeners find you to tap into your movement? Uh, you find me on, on Facebook on Money Country LSC. Um, you find me on Instagram Money Country LSC. Also Money Country says so Money dot Country Money dot Country dot LSC on Instagram. Um, I got you find my website is moneyconscious.moneyconsciousllc.com, and I got the Google is um, money moneyconsciousllc at gmail.com. That's where you can find me. This concludes episode 38 of the process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you. Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process.
I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through. And not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.